All right, we're back. Kevin Nagoya, CEO for City Co Lake, and myself, Craig Copeland, Mayor for the City, back here on our third podcast. This title for this one, because we like to have little titles just to have fun, is Hot Air and Water. So, um, you know, the hot air, we, we were just recently at the Mid-Sized Mayor's uh, Conference. Uh, it's a group of uh, over 20 uh, mid-sized mayors from uh, everything underneath Calgary and Edmonton. So you got Medicine Hat, Lethbridge, uh, Leduc, uh, Stony Plains, Spruce Grove, Red Deer, Lethbridges, you know, that uh, quite a few of us. And we've been around for quite a while, this group. And it's a group of mayors and CEOs that get together and kind of just throws things up in the air and try to get uh, you know different subject material. Have a have a mayor or a guest speaker speak on it, and then uh, get everybody's feedback. And at this uh, this meeting in in uh, Lethbridge was probably one of the better ones where um, they had a consultant there that was uh, hired by Lethbridge to sort of give a uh, sort of a, her take on uh, the UCP government uh, things for the the municipalities to look for in the future. But we also had uh, the Premier Kenny speaking on the Friday, and uh, we had Municipal Affairs uh, Casey Madu speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the municipalities, right, like representing over a million people, so it's a significant, uh, uh, you know, representation from the province with the, amongst the mayors and uh, city managers through these uh, areas. What's well, formally called, I think, the Mid-Sized Cities Caucus, right, and. Uh, uh, and uh, with the mayors and the CAOs being all at the table on a whole bunch of different subject uh, uh, matters, uh, anywhere from legal matters or to provincial uh, provincial issues that are that are there and local issues that are are common that we can maybe uh, look at lobbying the provincial government. Um, lots of discussion at uh, this uh, this year's or this fall's agenda was uh, and took up a lot of conversation was the Blue Ribbon Report, the the McKinnon Report. And, uh, you know, in preparation for having uh, speaking with the uh, Minister of Municipal Affairs and the uh, Premier, um, your worship, you guys had, uh, you know, it even went uh, Friday evening for quite some time to make sure that uh, everybody had their head wrapped around that report and asking the right questions of the uh, of the minister. Yeah, the Blue Ribbon uh, report, you know, people should read that because it's going to sort of uh, play right into the uh, provincial budget when it's released in October. And I think it's going to be an opportunity for people to look at the the budget that comes out and tie it into the the blue ribbon report. I don't think there was a lot of surprises uh, in the blue ribbon report. I think everybody in Alberta knew that uh, the state of uh, financial affairs is uh, you know it's in a in a rough patch right now. We've been here before, but uh, certainly with the debt uh, being as high as it is, uh, and you've got a party, a UCP party that's committed to to working on the the debt and reducing deficit. Um, so we'll see. I mean, for the, the message from the municipal affairs uh, minister was really good. I mean, he believes in strong, healthy communities, you know, vibrant communities. Um, he wants municipalities to partner with the province on growing the economy. I think, I think one thing between himself and uh, the premier, certainly jobs and the economy, I think, are the uh, the front runner for. Uh, what we we as municipalities are going to expect from the province? I think it's jobs and economy, and then also a, a period of uh, you know what stood out with me is the word also is restraint. I think that word was used a couple of times uh, through the discussions to, with the municipalities, making sure that uh, you know the books are in order and you know everything's as effective and efficient as it should be. And how do we look at our policies and programs surrounding creation of jobs? You're absolutely right. Um, you never tell a a politician about restraint. Twenty-two mayors—they don't like to hear that word restraint. <laughs> you, you, you worship the the mayors actually said it themselves, right? It came from the mayors, not under the CIOs talked about that. <laughs> yeah, so it's tough for politicians. They they they, they like to uh, spread uh, as much good across their community as they can. But certainly, I think uh, one thing that people should note is that municipalities uh, primarily run on uh, taxes they collect from the residents or downtown business. Or industry, and, you know, whether it's M and E, machinery, equipment, or linear, the uh, the contribution from the province is, uh, you know, I think we've talked about this before in council. It's probably averages around four hundred dollars per capita, three to four hundred dollars per capita inside the city of Lake. When you look at the the police uh, dollars that the province pays for policing, which is thirty percent of our cost, uh, but there's also these other grants that the uh, the province uh, brings forward to our community. But, you know, basically, if you look at three, four hundred dollars per person in Coal Lake, that's a fair 
kind of number where we're sitting at on the uh, province's help uh, in our municipality. The uh, McKinnon report had some uh, interesting facts and figures in there throughout the document. Uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the I think it's more the supporting documentation from KPMG and uh, um, MNP, I think, were the two uh, front uh uh, organizations that were doing the uh, the financial cross sections of the uh, of uh, kind of all aspects of the province of Alberta, anywhere from healthcare um, to municipalities to education and uh, and healthcare. I think healthcare actually was a large part of the, uh, if I remember the uh, KPMG report. Um, I think that was the one that put that one together. And uh, you know the. Uh, you know, the, when it came to the education uh, component, uh, you know, the, there was uh, some uh, some good conversation surrounding the different facts and figures throughout the province on the different universities and uh, and colleges and whatnot. Yeah, we collect uh, property taxes uh, for the province on the education component, and I think it's around twenty five percent of what runs the uh, education ministry is collected from residential and industrial taxes. Well, it shows up in our uh, annual report and you can see how much the, you know, there's a big, uh, you know, misunderstanding sometimes is that the, not the entire municipal tax bill is the city of Cold Lake. It's, it's uh, uh, like you said, uh, the, the percentage is uh, a large part is, uh, uh, it's a requisition on behalf of the uh, the government of Alberta that the municipality collects on the half of the government of Alberta and then uh, remits that payment over to the, uh, to the province. Now that usually happens on, um, the city will get notice in that January timeline of what that, uh, that tax or that requisition is going to be on the uh, on a on an equalized assessment, um, and actually even that it's gone to a live assessment because uh, your worship, you remember we've gone through several years of major increases in educational taxes um, about uh, three four years ago because it went from an, a three year average equalized assessment to a more of a live assessment uh, type of uh, formula. Yeah, and you know, with the, the big thing to watch out for, I think, in the budget, my estimation is probably, I wouldn't be surprised, MSI is a big uh, funding of, for our community, so, and uh, it's been going on for, I think, my entire career as a mayor, but uh, it, it gives you that little boost to, to do projects inside the city of Lake. So all municipalities uh, get uh, MSI money in some, some fashion on, on a somewhat complicated funding formula. It wouldn't be surprising that this government comes in and really changes the way they do all the grants, maybe merge uh, all some of the grants together. I think they should look at like a community grant and then leave it up into the municipality's hands to allocate that dollars. I think it's really tough uh, for everybody to write grants and, and try to fight for this pot of money. It might be simpler. And, um, you know, the UCP party is all about reducing red tape. And one of them is just amalgamate a lot of the funding sources and just put the money in the municipality's hands and, and we'll go from there. No, at the end, uh, the municipal uh, or the mid-sized mayors and CAOs caucus, uh, some conversation surrounding that very nature was, uh, you know, um, I think the term was used municipal structures or restructuring, right? Reform. Yeah, or reform. Oh, I don't know if that word was used, but uh, yes, uh, though that's another term that can be used for it. Yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, in terms of, um, I think, all kind of ideas are on the table in order to make sure that we're getting the most efficient use and effective use of uh, the taxpayers' dollars since there's only, uh, you know, there's only one pocket, right, that it comes from. Yeah, I think uh, you're going to see, you know, be fascinating to see what happens in the budget. I think everybody's sort of waiting, you know, our boards and commissions, uh, you know, are they going to start to be looked at differently? Or are they going to merge? You know, we, we, we heard about this uh, in the McKinnon report about too many colleges. I mean, when you look at the college here in Coal Lake, Portage College, and the and the and the and the catchment area that it serves, um, you know, if you're going to impact these community colleges and if they're going to merge with with another one, uh, who are they merging with? And then it's not like you can just build put that space of uh, you know 400 students and bring it to another college. Uh, I think you know I think what they're really looking at is making administration and the boards much more efficient. And so it's going to be fascinating over the next year to see what kind of dramatic change and restructuring we do have in the province. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the other uh, uh, you know when it came down to uh, even more in terms of the municipal restructuring, there seems to be a growing conversation amongst the uh, cities. Uh, and and several of them at the table at the mid-sized cities uh, talking about, you know, is there appetite to um, start to have more stronger and, and, and bolder conversations surrounding amalgamations and, 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 and municipal restructurings of, uh, 
of uh, different, you know, the municipal boundaries within the uh, province of Alberta. Yeah, and I think, uh, well, I didn't know you were going to talk about that, but that's great. Um, the It's, uh, you know, I've been a mayor for, since 07, and uh, I think this meeting in uh, Lethbridge was the first time uh, in my entire uh, political career, and I've said this to others, is that the uh, first time I've saw, and, and a couple of them were brand new mayors, um, talking about uh, looking at uh, amalgamating, uh, finding... Um, and it's all I think all has to do with what uh, the UCP government is, is is sort of addressing right now. Is is there efficiencies in coming together, working together? Uh, can you reduce uh, the red tape, the bureaucracy? Uh, you know, because it, it basically the message is there's only one taxpayer out there, and uh, so it's better use of uh, both uh, residential business and industrial taxes to make your community and your area a better place to live. And so I think you know some of the mayors uh, that spoke about amalgamation, I was you know I was pleasantly surprised. And, uh, and for those that know me, uh, they know that I've been a big champion in this since. For a long time, that uh, that you know, when you've got perfect models in the province right now. When you look at uh, Strathcona County, has Shore Park inside Strathcona County, one of the best models. I don't think you have to go look anywhere else, but that that is the, probably the best example in Alberta when it comes to a, a larger urban inside a a rural um, a rural county. Uh, that is a a, a prime example uh, in Lacklebish. Uh, Close to home here in Lacklebish County has the town of Lacklebish, uh, and inside it. Another great example of uh, of uh, what you can do to, when you work together. And, of course, uh, a long time ago, back in, I think it was in the 90s, uh, uh, Fort McMurray coming uh, encompassing in with the, with the, the rural Wood, and Wood forming Buffalo, up Wood Buffalo. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, uh, and, there, and, and there was some provincial leadership within that, uh, that uh, you know, that mandate when they came together that, that in order to solve some of the issues surrounding the assessment disparity that was occurring and the major growth that was uh, being challenged by uh, Fort McMurray that time. Yeah. yeah, when you talk to industry, it's all about uh, when they pay taxes, they want to see their tax dollars going uh, basically to where their community they're impacting, where they're where their workers are are living, sleeping, and recreating, use, utilizing the roads uh, that their heavy trucks would utilize. And so, you know, I think there's going to have to be a really big conversation. Maybe this is the groundswell. Uh, it'll, it'll take leadership from uh, both urban and rural uh, leadership on this one and the province to see if, if this is where they want to go. Um, everybody's going to have to work together to, to accomplish it because it's really about the messaging. And uh, because a lot of residents really won't understand uh, the benefit of amalgamating and you're, it's, it's really basically, you know, we look at uh, the amalgamations of uh, uh, recent uh, amalgamations. You don't see the rural landowners uh, property tax going up. You don't see that mill rate going up. And so it's, it's a better bang of the, uh, the tax dollars and making wise decisions. And so why shouldn't uh, uh, rural or county councillors uh, have a better say in what goes, what's being spent in, in the urban community that they, they go to for recreation, for shopping, et cetera? Yeah, the, uh, and, and actually that conversation um, kind of went further in the conversation surrounding uh, the uh, intermunicipal collaboration frameworks, the ICFs, right? The... Uh, this uh, number that so far that has been completed, which is around uh, um, 60 ICFs completed out of uh, 400 throughout the the province, uh, is the not ICFs. A good number. That's well at this point, right? Well, it's not due for now. That I think the time period has been extended, right, till uh, the new year, uh, April. Um, April timeline. Now, you know, even within the 60 uh, that's being having conversations around is pretty. You know, rule to rule, small You're municipalities. Very nice. If this yeah. was a if yeah. very high school exam, you would be failing right now. Sixty <laughs> out of four hundred. Um, you mean you only got six months to go when you had two years to work on this project? Uh, I would say that you know this came in from the NDP government. Whether or not uh, you know the UCP government is going to on you know keep this going, but you know when when the ICFs come out, if you remember, we didn't have a podcast back then. We didn't think that the ICFs were going to work, um, and so they really don't. 
really paint the perfect yeah. picture of what you need to do? Just with the listeners for the intermunicipal collaboration frameworks, because actually an issue is is what does an inter what is an intermunicipal collaboration framework? Oh, yeah. You hear us doing uh, some uh, you know use, utilizing the acronyms and stuff like that, but the intermunicipal collaboration framework was uh, was in part of the new municipal government act, and it was intended to a a kind of more forced conversation um, between uh, municipal partners. Uh, whoever's kind of having common boundaries to what are shared issues within those communities. Um, and uh, no limits, as we see it, were put on that, whether it's operational or capital, in order to address those types of issues. And that could be all services of the municipality and all aspects of the re- municipality. And when I say all aspects of the municipality, um, it comes down to even on uh, the costing of those projects or costing of those uh, those services, and and the question of uh, how do those revenue, how those how do those uh, services uh, generate revenue, and and those municipalities generate revenue. Yeah, and you know, ICF, it'll be interesting. Uh, some of the like most of the urbans at the, I think all of the twenty-two uh, mayors at the meeting didn't have an ICF even started. No, nobody. No, yeah, nobody it was really uh, bleak out there. And even a conversation is is making sure that maybe you know everybody's uh, having the conversation to its fullness, right? Yeah, it's tough in a in a room, but I don't think we, I don't think anybody has a has one done yet. Um, you know, some of them might be very, very easily done for some of the some cities I can think of, like Medicine Hat, uh, you know, is uh, probably with the, with the county probably can get theirs done pretty easy. But I think you've got some real complicated ones out there uh, in, the, in the in the province right now. You know, we'll see. Uh, I don't well, know. The, There's some that were even having um, some um, very uh, um, in-depth discussions, in cl- to including, uh, I think, amalgamations and stuff like that uh, down south there, Your Worship. Yeah. I don't know if you want to get Brooks, into that. Brooks but, and uh, Newell County, what a shame. Yeah, uh, uh, they I mean, were, we've... We talked about that for a long time, and uh, the Reeve down there was a real champion for uh, change. And uh, it's unfortunate that that uh, that did not materialize. I think that would have been a, a real game changer for the province to uh, to have utilized uh, because it's a, a unique situation, yeah. absolutely. And uh, and with Brooks and the small little uh, villages and towns uh, around it inside the Newell County, Newell County uh, was a leader. You know, in our eyes here up in Coal Lake, uh, uh, it's it's unfortunate that uh, you know politicians uh, sometimes uh, you know get um, when a lot of people get in their face, uh, they blink, and uh, you know it's for the greater good of the area, and that's the reasons why you do amalgamation. It's not to, to still be the mayor of the Reeve to throw candy at parades. It's it's about um, looking long term, pooling the tax dollars for the best bang uh, for all taxpayers and making good decisions municipally. And so, you know, people, that's what people want. In the end of the day, they want good municipal services. And in most of these amalgamations, when you look at them, I don't think, you know, I don't think we've done a very good job, the province, in, in really demonstrating all of the different amalgamations over the years, uh, because it really hasn't been many, but uh, it wouldn't take much. Um, to demonstrate that uh, you know things didn't necessarily change for the rural resident uh, and or the urban, it's just good governance, uh, good decisions making of all tax dollars, and 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 that's what people want to see. Yeah, Jason, uh, Premier Jason Kenney attended the uh, meeting on that second day too, Your Worship. He had actually a a lot of uh, um, things to say to the group. I he think smoked it. Was, it that yeah, day. he was he, amazing. Wow, he. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, you can see a lot of the mayors were on edge to just uh, stand up and give an uh, ovation. He, he speaks very well and, uh, yeah, great and has a lot of ideas, right? He's quick. Um, he's uh, with, uh, with his thoughts. Uh, so that, uh, that conversation went well. The, um, you know, when it came down to some of the, uh, you know, in the fall, um, he did indicate that the budget will be probably released, uh, sometime in, in that third or fourth week, I think in the fall, third, fourth week in October is I think what I, how I hear that. Um, you know, but when it comes down to, uh, budgets and implications, you know, there is signs that municipalities may be impacted a little bit to, you know, there are some numbers that are starting throwing around, but nothing firm, right. Is kind of elusive of what the impacts to the uh, municipality. So w- when we're communicating to, um, the city called Lake residents, uh, right now, we don't know what those details are. Um, you know, the MSI, the municipal sustainability initiative funding is impacted a little bit, but there's, you know, not a lot of surprises until we find out what's in that fall budget. Yeah. I mean, uh, just before the, uh, you know, Premier Kenny did an absolutely bang up job. If anybody hasn't seen him speak, uh, it's, it's quite something. 
and then he took uh, probably at least 10 questions and answered them uh, quite you know quite well and um, you know challenged uh, the politicians in the room to look at ways of bringing bringing business to their community and so uh, you know of course everybody up in the Coal Lake area is, is hoping that these pipelines uh, three pipelines start getting dug and I think you're going to see uh, with the new fighter jet program here in uh, with Fort Wayne Coal Lake I think you're going to see a lot of growth eventually uh, this area will take off as long as we'd, we we've got to stop uh, putting all of the environmentalists out there and the objectioners uh, to these big, huge mega projects, and we've got to stop it in this country. We've got to absolutely. There's no way we can compete with Texas. But one one of the talking about MSI, I think um, you know, big uh, capital dollars from the province uh, recently. You know, the waterline funding for for Bonneville uh, was a significant capital expenditure that the previous government, of course. Uh, uh, funded, uh, it's, well, you know, it's about $86 million. Well, yeah, the overall, uh, you know, the number right now that's, uh, that's, uh, allocated to the project for the provincial and the municipal component is around that $84 million. Yeah. It's a yeah. massive, massive amount of money. You know, uh, we were trying to think about like, um, over a couple of coffees, no, no beers, um, is, uh, is, no beers are later. So yeah. Beers later, are later, later, later. Yeah. It's a clean show. Um, the, the idea is like, when is the last time we've seen that kind of money and that kind of amount spent up in this part of the province? And it was, uh, it was a struggle to come, uh, trying to yeah. figure out and how long back, right? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, uh, you know, when hospital. you go back to uh, you know various other MLAs uh, for the area, um, but this is uh, you know we had provincial buildings built here, occasional school, uh, Portage College, etc., and all that, but. But when it comes to a mega project like that, the waterline from Coal Lake to service uh, the town of Bonneville and uh, eventually go, they've said 100,000 people are going to be identified on that waterline someday. That's with growth. Yeah, yeah, with growth. With growth. Um, you know, that that big money there, that's the first time we can recollect that uh, provincial money has really come up. And, it, and it's great. I mean, we've been lobbying for years and years and years, the Highway 28, we call it the Forgotten Highway. Uh, you know, that hopefully will be a, a major project. But, you know, the waterline uh, sort of came about, uh, there was a lot of discussions way back when about uh, they wanted City Coal Lake Council to uh, make, the decision. make the decision on yeah. on putting Coal Lake water down to the south. And uh, and we always said that's not our sandbox. That That's not our decision. It's a provincial matter. And, uh, you know, I, I got to give credits to uh, former Minister Campbell uh, when he was with the, the Jim Prentice government. He said, is is you know what? Why aren't why aren't we getting this waterline? Uh, he said to me, and uh, I said, you know, we need you to the province to uh, to make the decision. And I think a couple of weeks later, after that conversations with Robin, bang, there's the letter, the province saying that uh, the the Colic water would go to the town of Bonneville. And then it was just a matter of uh, then lobbying to try to get the money uh, from the ministry that the funding is in. And uh, we went as a group, as a regional group. I remember there was the mayor of Bonneville, uh, the reeve of the MD of Bonneville, myself, uh, at the table in the, the deputy minister's office, yeah. uh, lobbying for you know because of the, the the concern of the the treatment method being used uh, in in Bonneville's water treatment plant that the byproduct was very uh, big concern. The, the right? trihalomethanes, which is a byproduct of uh, of chlorine uh, chlorine chlorine, right, as uh, creates in the. Uh, in the water and it just it's not that it's dangerous it's just it's more of uh it's reading it's it's getting to areas that are beyond regulated uh numbers right so um and that's just a reaction from the organics that are in the water um in the uh when it comes down to the the new uh water line out of uh, cold lake now residents do notice around cold lake that there's oh, yeah, a substantial um project underway to do the uh, water treatment plant upgrades right so it, you know it's going to have a second story put on the front of that building in order to add to the process and uh, allow for enough uh a volume to be able to be uh, made out of that building um so the, re the the technology is much the same right it uses a membrane uh, uh reactor process in order to filter the water um and it's very very clean and when you're talking about the depths of cold lake uh, and the how uh, how deep the intake is the water is very pristine down there it still has some organics in there but the chlorine when the chlorines uh, react to that uh you know there's not nearly as as much uh, trihalomethanes which is the byproduct of that when you're when you're processing um, now the, the process for, uh, the town of Bonneville is going to be a little bit different because they're going to have a, something called a chloramines, which is a little bit of a, um, a longer, a little bit different, uh, 
um, add them to it in order to have a longer chlorine residual to get to the town of Bonneville because it takes a few days to get there through the pipeline in order to make sure that the, there's still residual chlorines within that water once it gets to its destination. So the question everybody wants to know in Bonneville, Kevin, is will Tim Hortons taste different? Ooh. Will the coffee taste different? Uh, I, I I think so, but, uh, you know, that's uh, always an arguable uh, uh, conversation there. Yeah, we're still waiting for the mayor of Bonneville <laughs> to, do our, to do our barbecue up here in Coal Lake for all the residents on 16th Street. And, uh, well, all lots of construction the, impact down there, oh, right? Yeah, uh, 16th uh, coming down uh, has been closed for quite some time. Yeah. It's been a pretty significant... Uh, um, construction and by the yeah, uh, seniors uh, lodge, the the new seniors lodge, right? Apartment so, building. Uh, you, you worship. You just did the t- uh, tour around the yeah. uh, seniors building there, Beautiful and I think building. the uh, uh, with the uh, minister of uh, of seniors and housing, and uh, you know, the, I think the, some questions around there from the seniors is when the construction was going to be done, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody was impacted. I mean, the apartment house right on the lake uh, saw their parking lot, you know, ripped up. I mean, it, the there's been a lot of impact to the community, so we're sort of waiting for the mayor of Bonneville to do a big barbecue for the city of Lake residents. I think that'd be kind of cute. But, uh, you know, it, it just shows you when you work together uh, as a region, uh, you know, they, there's some big big projects. And, you know, it put a lot of uh, workers uh, employed here on that project for almost two years. Well, that's right. Well, you're right. Uh, the, uh, you know, the local contractor uh, uh, site energy is the uh, the prime for all that pipeline that's going in the ground, right? So, yeah. yeah. It's great to see along the highway. I mean, it's impacted the trail, uh, the Iron Horse Trail, but it'll it'll return. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's good use of the Iron Horse property that uh, the old railway line. And so it'll come back. But, uh, you know, that water line, for those that don't know, I mean, it's identified for, for a greater region. So maybe someday up to Frog Lake, Elizabeth settlement, Métis settlement, Fishing Lake, maybe. Uh, and, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me that it goes further afield uh, and be a backup water system for others, maybe Elk Point, St. Paul, who knows where to, where it's all going to go. The province identified that uh, 100,000 people can be on Coal Lake water. Uh, for those that don't know, the water from Coal Lake actually goes into Cold River, which eventually goes into the Saskatchewan water system. Yeah, so it's uh, a unique uh, water feature, seventh largest lake in, in Alberta. Yeah. The uh, pipeline right now is about, uh, you know, around that 50% complete, both the uh, urban, there's two different contracts that are running. There's the urban component, which kind of has its um, different set of uh, skills and, uh, and labor that's associated with all the asphalt and you know, any of that removal and working through those are uh, the urban center of Cold Lake. And then you have the the rural pipeline crew, which can go, they can put a lot more distance in, um, in a day than uh, people digging up roads, right? The crews digging up roads. So there are two different contracts there, but generally speaking, both of them are about 50% complete and, uh, you know, anticipated that they'll be uh, completed by, uh, by next summer. How does the, uh, the waterline uh, for Cold Lake First Nations, how is that for the south part? How is that, is that going to improve? The South Reserve and that whole area? Well, they're going to be tied in there on yeah. that new water line. Right now, they do have water, though. Um, that The South Reserve uh, is already tied in through Fort Wayne Cold Lake. There's a actual valve connection over by the golf course on base. And uh, there is a pipeline that goes there and uh, across the uh, Beaver River um, and over by the casino. But instead of lieu of that, we're actually following the same uh alignment as that with the new pipeline that's running and uh, and, and tying in to an area right by that uh, right by that area, I think it's going to be to the west a little bit, but I don't know the exact you so know, that'll coordinates be drill, that'll of that'll be drilled this winter. The uh, under, Beaver under River, River with yeah. the uh, with the big pipeline will be uh, horizontal directional drilled yeah. uh, this winter. Yeah, that'll be pretty cool. And then the old line will no longer be in. We won't use it. We'll shut uh, it down. The, the old one for Cold Lake First Nations. Yeah. I would anticipate that they wouldn't need to use it, but it's it's their asset. So I don't know if they have future plans for yeah. that or what. Yeah, it's redundant. Well, it, it'll bring it'll bring you know because uh, Cold Lake First Nations doing a lot of economic business right around that whole casino area with the hotel with the gas bar. So uh, you know maybe it, with the new water pressure, maybe that'll them to expand that whole area over there yeah i think it's uh what it definitely what it does is allow more opportunity for growth and more volumes of water that's there right because right now that pipeline that's over there i believe is pretty small but uh 
Um, this allows for more certainty of water and then also being able to tie into the residential areas, like right down into the reserve. Yeah. I think that was a big focus area. is bringing yeah. in more, more, more pressure water. down, yeah, into down the there. So that way it allows them to access more water oh, good. For, for overall. Yeah. And maybe they'll get some federal money and they can uh, start working on, uh, on that project. Yeah. In the end right now. So the, the, the so that, uh, the residents know the funding, how it works is, is that, uh, most of it comes from the province and then there's a percentage, uh, I think it's a, almost a 90% 90% provincial and a 10% municipal. Well, that municipal isn't the city of Cold Lake. I believe that's the Beaver River or the Bonneville Water Commission, I should say, not the Beaver River, apologize, the Bonneville Water Commission. And uh, there's kind of a percent ownership of them, of the uh, Bonneville and the MD of Bonneville on that, uh, on that commission. Now, when it comes to the ownership in the end, once the project is done, the water treatment plant and the pipeline itself within the city is still owned by the city and, and out at, beyond the borders of the city of Cold Lake. Once you get out and uh, beyond, the, there's a booster station transfer station outside the boundaries there. Once you get beyond that, that's the uh, Bonneville Water Commission. We'll own it from there on the pipeline and then the tie into the to the town of Bonneville. Yeah, right on. The uh, These are, talking tying this whole conversation in is that's what uh, provincial grant money or uh, provincial province coming in and, and really boosting your your community through uh, capital money. This is this is significant. And so uh, a while ago when we became a city, uh, our province promised to uh, to pave or twin and pave uh, Highway 28 inside our community from 43rd Ave to 10th Street. And so that was $28 million project that the province paid. Kind of funny, 20 for 28. And, uh, you know, I think that was the last time we saw a really big number from the province up in our area. Uh, certainly when you look inside the town of Bonneville, uh, the way the Highway 28 goes through their community is going to be one to watch for. I think it's something that, uh, you know, when this whole Highway 28 gets addressed, uh, twinning and, and passing lanes, that number on that road is going to be huge because I see uh, our friends up in Grand Prairie right now are really lobbying Highway 43 and to get that twinned. Uh, yeah, I anticipate studies already being started, uh, probably that we just were not involved in in detail, but uh, there's probably already conversations surrounding that. Yeah, I think yeah. what it speaks to is there's these major roads that go up to, to the north, uh, whether you got 63 up to Fort Mac and you got 28 uh, northeast and then you've got, you know, 43 going up to the Grand Prairie area. It speaks about uh, the north and how how very few major highways we have. But when you go down to central and southern Alberta, especially east-west, uh, you just shake your head about the amount of highways that were built uh, back in the day. And, and when you come up north, there's less and less east-west highways. Uh, and so, you know, I think you're gonna we're gonna have to see some major capital investment in the north here, especially when the economy turns. I remember when the heavy mods were were getting trucked uh, from uh, the Nisku area up Highway 28. Uh, they come up Highway 36, and then when they, which is a wide highway, but once they hit Highway 28, it was like a free for all. Of it was a very dangerous uh, maneuver, passing all the big mods without any passing lanes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no. You know, speaking with all the water that's coming around, uh, going around, uh, and then the expansion and, and, uh, you know, the city of Cold Lake finishes annexation. I just wanted to uh, plug this in there is that the city of Cold Lake is currently undergoing its municipal development plan right now and the intermunicipal development plan with the MD of Bonneville. So, um, any of the listeners that are listening to this, uh, I think there's a public consultation process going on right now that if you go to the city's Facebook, uh, site or website, um, you can provide comments. So what's important is talking about regional water lines and stuff like that is placing these uh, utility corridors um, in the right places as we move forward is going to become very important. So that way, you know, when you vision out your community 25 to 50 years, um, understanding what community needs in both the, you know, water line utilities, and it actually goes beyond that. It's recreational trails and all that kind of stuff in that conversation. But that's a sidebar. I apologize. But yeah, you know, utility corridors, yeah, we would yeah. have pipelines in the ground if we had utility corridors across Canada right now. I mean, that is a huge, uh, you, you, they did it for the railway, uh, the major highways. Uh, why in the world didn't they figure out about power and, 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 and pipelines for the oil companies? I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's tragic. Uh, it's all about planning. And uh, I don't know if Canada speaking, does a very good job. Speaking of rail, you know, I think, uh, you, know, you know, back to Jason Kenney, uh, uh, the premier, uh, uh, he spoke about uh, the uh, curtailment um, conversation. What did you say about that? Well, you just said that uh, we're, we're going to put more rails on the uh, on the on the rails, more cars, more oil tankers on the on the rail. I mean, it's sure. I think he's looking at it, right? What yeah, are the options? Yeah, the idea is to yeah, if they're going to increase the curtailment yeah. uh, or lower than curtailment, uh, they're going to have to the oil companies are going to have to put that oil, that extra oil, on rail cars, yeah. and so. 
uh, you know, that's promising, especially up in our area with Imperial Oil, Sinovus, Senior Oil, all, all the big players of Husky is to, they want to, uh, Osom, they want to put more oil. Did we get everybody? Devin. Uh, so Don't leave anybody out. You're going to get in trouble. Yeah, I know. We're going to get in trouble. But anyways, uh, <laughs> is the idea is that, uh, you know, right now people are being put in the, th- you know, th- uh, putting everything on idle. And that's part of our problem is the production in Alberta has been on idle. Uh, because we have nowhere to ship. I mean, it's unbelievable that our only option is to put it on rail. It's embarrassing as a country uh, to to just be looking at rail cars. I mean, well, he's looking for options just to help them, and he's engaging with yeah. them to try to figure out what the best solution is in the balance. Right? Yeah. Is, yeah. You look at that uh, the Green Party leader, and you know how in the world is she going to get from Victoria to Ottawa uh, when you know you know the jet fuel? You know, it's how's that created? Is that pixie dust? So uh, you know, it's just uh, incredible how we uh, we are taken for granted uh, how important oil is uh, for just. Our, our daily lives. Um, the other project uh, that's that's currently uh, it's more of a re- it is kind of a regional project, but it's one to uh, uh, and earmark too is the uh, wastewater uh, treatment plant uh, that uh, there's a pilot plant project going on right now. Yeah, there was a, a great uh, uh, quote uh, by Patrick of I think it's Patrick Laforge uh, when he came out uh, to the Bonneville Pontiac's uh, Junior A breakfast one day and he said nobody in your community knows about your lift station, your sewage lift station. Everybody knows about your hockey arenas. But you know, sewage is uh, a lot of our locals know about our lift station. Yeah, stations. our lift station is very famous. Building number 9 is is the most important building in all of Coal Lake. You know, Coal Lake's uh, series of lift stations to push you, you, everybody's business further down the pipe is amazing. I I certainly, uh, when I, we got on council and you guys trained us on all of this, this etchy sketch of sewer pipes and way we move our product uh, north uh, to south and further south, all the way almost near the Beaver River is incredible. But anyways, it is what it is. Um, the important for us is we know as a council that we have to do a major investment in our wastewater. We have to come up with a new state-of-the-art technology. The province has been really nice to us, uh, allowing us, us a little bit, yeah. and the feds, allowing us a little bit um, time. And, you know, it's actually going to be a good decision. Is uh, I'm sure you, you can speak better than I can, but I think the longer you wait... Um, on something, as long as it's uh, okay to do so, uh, better technology out there. Well, it is. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Depends, right? It depends on, uh, you know, you can also, you have to be careful with adopting new technologies because if it doesn't work, you're kind of, you spent all that money and then what do you do? You have to build something else and you got to be very, very careful with that. And that's actually essence what we're doing right now, right? Is the pilot plant project. It's well, taking a step back is the, um, you know, the study that was done on multiple technologies within the city and, you know, going to the, uh, the classic, uh, it's called a active sludge type of, um, treatment process, um, which is kind of, it's the, it's your kind of your historical classic, you know, it works. Uh, it's a, it's a very, very tried and true system. The issue comes down to is, is that in these communities and for, for actually city of cold Lake, you're talking like a $80 million, um, project. Uh, it's, it's, it's massive just for a facility and it's not that big. Um, and, and you adopt that to like a residence that are on 4,000 homes and you try to finance that type of project. How do you, how is that sustainable for the community? Especially right now, there's, you got a lagoon system right now and the water goes, the, the sewage goes into some ponds, gets aerated, and then it kind of just kind of cleans itself and, and you're, you're skimming off the top and then you remove the sludge afterwards of whatever's there and the rest of it goes into the Beaver River. Your concern is, is some of your byproducts are starting to get high. So the province is, is closely monitoring us in the federal government is closely monitoring us, just making sure that we comply to regulation. But your license is going to come up in uh, 2021 and 2022. And that's where you have to negotiate or make sure that you comply with whatever the new legislative requirements are on your discharge. So we know today our technology today that we're using those uh, those ponds is not going to be satisfied tomorrow. So once we renew, we're going to have to meet those requirements. How do we do it? And uh, right now we're looking at what's something called a moving bed bioreactor. And uh, the concern is, of course, that these types of facilities, because you're not necessarily building them all inside, is that uh, the it'll be exposed to the external air temperatures. And, you know, we can get cold here for a few weeks, right? Frost is going quite low. And the issue is, as you as the water temperature starts to fall, um, is the treatment process is working. And uh, in essence, if uh, nobody knows what a moving bed bioreactor is, it's basically one big 
tank of water or a, a, a couple of tanks of, uh, of sewage um, and large tanks. We're not talking small. Um, they're like a, almost a mid-sized swimming pool. And um, in there is a whole bunch of, uh, you know, the honeycomb cereal. They're just more polymer based or plastics and they look like actually honeycombs and, uh, and, and, and the bugs go in there and they start to treat the uh, sewage system that's, that's there. So, you know, it's one of the most uh, cost effective things that are out there. The issue is, is we're seeing a lot of these being adopted. There's a few of them that are in some warmer climates than it is uh, in a Northern community. And uh, we do have a grant that has been announced that uh, because uh, we're a very Northern community with some very low temperature uh, uh, throughout the year and um, utilizing Cold Lake as a pilot uh, area for this project, we've got a pilot plant being uh, put together and being brought to uh, Cold Lake to try it out here this winter to see what that technology does and how does it react to the uh, to the Northern climates and to make sure that this would work before we start. And the key piece about this crop project is, is that we hope that the capital will go for from that kind of that 80 million plus down to around that 15 million, 15 to 20 million. And uh, if we can bring it down and, you know, and putting that type of number with some grant funding on 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 the operations of about 4,000 homes, it makes it much, you know, still expensive, but it makes it much more, it's, 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 a, it's a huge step in the right direction on costs. I, I hope nobody was eating during this last segment on, uh, on well, wastewater. Lots of hot air coming off of that. There, yeah. The, uh, so where are we going to put this uh, little trial? Is it going to be something that... Uh, we'll be at the lagoons there, down okay. south of Highway 55 East. There, the small a, scale. Yeah. Maybe both side? Yeah, it'd be about a trailer size. Yeah, trailer mount. And, and outside. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'd be interesting. And then this is the kind of stuff that uh, the city tries to dip its toes in and uh, before we spend the big money. So that's exciting. There'll be a lot of communities uh, watching this for sure. It'll be uh, it'll be widely looked at and because this could be the new technology. And of course... Uh, our, what would you have? We had a record cold wet winter this past year. I think we ripped yeah, 40 or 40 days minus 30. Yeah. For us that we're going to have to write a paper on this one. That's the only expectation of the, uh, the grant is, is that, uh, once we write a paper on it, we can, um, have other communities from across Canada, have a look at this thing and uh, see if it can work for their communities, um, as, as lessons learned and stuff like that. So this is very positive that we've got uh, some significant, uh, it's a $200,000 uh, venture. Um, even though it's still $200,000 to do this, but, uh, we got some significant grant funding. It's actually mostly taken care of by, of, of by grant. I think it's upwards of 80%, I think is the 80% uh, from a grant funder. I, I think we're on the cusp of getting it announced formally to know who the funder is and then 20% municipal. Oh, that'd be great. Cause I mean, we have it in our 10 year capital. Uh, you know, when you look at a $50 million expenditure down to say 15, 20, I mean, that's a huge saving when you're, when you're pretty much going to have to, you know, debt ride it. Uh, would that be something that uh, would be hundred percent brought back by the, uh, the tax base? Is that the idea? Well, you're, you know, when you look by at user it, fees? you know, if somebody said, uh, you know, if you have, it's just for the sake of conversation of a $20 million facility, um, you know, can you get half of it picked up by different parts of grants and stuff like that, bringing that number down if, if that's what it is. And then other grants. And at the time of when, you know, when 2021, 2022 comes around, I know, note that we've already started submitting grant funding for this, knowing that that's our target because we're figuring it takes a year or two to maybe get some grants out of uh, some provincial, major provincial and federal uh, um, perspectives out of this. So we're hoping within the within a year or two years, we will get answers to those grant applications. But if we can get over half of it, you know, it'd be nice to get it all covered when the tax base doesn't have to pick up anything. Um, it would be great. But, you know, it does come, you know, even the provincial and federal grants are still coming out of you know, taxes from somewhere, right? That coming back into our into into municipal priorities um, that are that are edicted by our provincial and federal partners. But um, yes, the rest of whatever that is not funded is going to have to be probably financed um, through some internal resources such as reserves or um, and or a combination of the uh, utility tax rate. So you can see why we're concerned on trying to get this project to be as uh, the number of the top capital project as low as we can. So that way it's uh, it's more manageable by the uh, by the tax base. Because you look at 4,000 homes and you just kind of do the math. If it was an $80 million project, mm. um, and you say, let's say, we, let's say you had to finance $50 million on 4,000 homes, um, that's a, it's way, it's off the charts. There's nobody in this community that's going to be able to afford their utility bills. It's, it's several, several, several hundred dollars a month. Yeah. So, so like on our utility bills here at the city, they're pretty much on the operation side, hundred percent, uh, 
uh, is paid back by the, the the user, the resident. So whether it's garbage, recycle, water waste, uh, we we collect uh, you know the hundred percent of the money to operate uh, from the from the user. Yeah, well, that's even that's the consideration is the operational side is because you want something that you don't have to have. 10 to 20 staff in the building in order to manage the facility as yeah. well, right? Yeah, we've done a lot of projects in the side, inside the city called like water and sewer projects that have been funded through grant money or through uh, through just uh, general revenue from the taxes that we collect and that we're given. So you know, a lot of projects get funded capital-wise that help water and sewer inside the city call lake, but we don't charge the residents on their user bill. Some bills are taken care of. You know, I think, you know, I think we do a great job on finding, there's a balance too, is building these buildings um, with technology that are outside of or even being serviced, right? You look at the energy center and, uh, you know, going through the design, sometimes the uh, the hair pulling of uh, going green and then you can go too green, right? Uh, that your HVAC systems and stuff like that can't be serviced locally here. And we've got some great local um, HVAC technicians here locally, and but they can't touch, if you put some of the stuff in there, they can't necessarily service that because it's too, it's too technology-based and you're bringing people out of uh, Calgary and Edmonton. And did that save any greenhouse gas emissions in the end when you're bringing equipment and trucks and everything all and everything out of uh, those uh, those big centers um in some aspects sometimes just going a little bit older on technology it can be serviced here and it can be you know done in an hour versus a week well we started off kevin with the hot air and let's sort of go back and and, and talk about hot air and politicians so we're this week we're going to go off to uh, the big AUMA convention, uh, put on our uh, little hats and our tricycles and run around the, the convention floor and uh, meet and greet and uh, network. Uh, it's always an interesting time to uh, network with our colleagues and the agenda's got a lot of great speakers. Of course, uh, uh, the Premier will be speaking, I'm sure, at the, the convention, but it's also an opportunity to uh, network with all the different uh, UCP MLAs and uh, the ministers and so you know we're looking forward to that uh, we've always uh, gone to the AMA and uh, we've got uh, there's uh, going to be a lobbying uh, event uh, that the minister of municipal affairs will put on for about an hour and a half so you get to meet the minister but uh, we're looking forward to the AMA and uh, and uh, hopefully uh, uh, come out of that with uh, some good uh, conversations and, and it's always good to go there you guys always go to the trade show and pick up some uh, interesting ideas. Yeah, no, I think uh, every year there's always some new ones that are there. And uh, in fact, you know, even this moving bed bow reactor, like you see, you can see people that are on the floor between the AUMA and the FCM. You know, you put some of those technologies together and you come up with some ideas, right? And, uh, you know, you can, uh, you know, you look at some of your ideas that uh, and recent stuff that you bought before uh, council had some ideas, right? The bandstand, which the community absolutely uh, uh loves and uses uh, just recently the the successful feast on the beach right uh, that style of batten pan now that one was contracted just because of availability but uh, um that bandstand is also being on on a contracted pool through the province as well right so mm -hmm. um you know some of the park benches that you see around the communities those parks uh, the splash leds park. the splash park uh, they were there you know you get the, all those uh, types of uh ideas that are there and people connecting you're right yeah. yeah i think you know we, we have on our council so uh, a lot of them love to go to the trade show and check out all the new 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 designs. I mean, the parking garage, uh, that one was a, a two-story uh, garage. I mean, it, you know, you look at it and go, well, do we really need that in Cold Lake? But when you look at, at uh, going out to the, I was out at the high school football game the other day and the crowd was immense. Uh, it was great support for the for the the Royals, and uh, and then you look at the the hockey arenas were packed, so people were parking in the new parking lot, like way back from the new arena, and so you know we had something going on in the field house high school, and so that place gets really really busy, and so you look at uh, the one council that was really promoting the parking garage, uh, Mr. Buckle, and uh, no names, uh, but, you know, it has a lot of potential and uh, cost-wise, and so it's a great idea, and maybe in the future phases, we have the, we know that eventually uh, it's not funded, uh, it's not even funded, it's un unfunded, but certainly the leisure center or s swimming pool, uh, well, is, it's there right now, right? Yeah, the, the, uh, the master the plan area. has already been developed for the for the swimming pool, yeah. Um, and the positioning of that, so it's kind of already in the works. It's this question of funding, yeah. Uh, follow up is when council wants to actually execute that project of uh, with follow up funding in order to implement. 
So when I look at uh, the other night on Friday, I think it was when I saw the game, and I looked at that parking lot and so packed from way back where the swimming pool is going to be. And I said, you know, Councillor Buckle and his parking garage might actually be onto something. I mean, it's, it's, people always scratch your head and go, oh my God, that's crazy for a small little town. But putting uh, that many vehicles in efficiently in a small piece of uh, real estate, we might really have to take a look at it. The uh, Royals home opener looked like it had, uh, you know, 500 oh, huge people there. That was, uh, you know, lining up all along the berms with the, you know, the soft seating and the and the, the actual uh, um, bleachers itself was uh, was full. Yeah, I know we got we took some hits uh, with the football uh, field. The cost uh, there was the people that threw uh, threw some jabs at us, but uh, you know you have to get and see the vision. And then and I think that the football field, the, the contractor did a and the uh, cons- uh, engineer, or the architect did a fabulous job on the design. And uh, you know we, we are you know we had the vision and. Uh, in our heads and I think they've done a great job on putting the pieces together and uh, we're really proud of uh, that field uh, I think it's a community showpiece and um, you know it's really funny when you get to, when you're standing up in the stands and, and people are saying you know this is a, a beautiful field and yeah you know yeah the field's really nice but it was also all around it with the the big huge grandstand inside the dressing was really nice but it's the parking and and uh, we had a challenging area there to work with with the soil um so a lot of soil had to be removed but uh no i think uh, the, the football under the lights uh, is is pretty cool and uh and so for those that haven't seen that uh the field uh before snowfalls you should go out and yeah, check come out, out to, a, to, a, to a football well, game there's the there. peewees play the bantams and the and the royals right yep. Yeah, yeah. In high school. It's great to see the the little guys at, at Pee Wee playing uh, playing ball, and uh, and of course soccer. Uh, from what I understand, the uh, the indoor soccer is is moved outside right now. The the kids love the field, and and they really feel uh, the big time. And so, uh, you know, I, as we said to the minister, Mr. Affairs, um, why is it that uh, small communities can't have really nice uh, sports fields? And when you look at what Bonneville has, what Coal Lake has, you know, we've got some of the best recreational facilities for our, our youth and our adults. And why should we not have that when you go to other places in Alberta and you see some of the sports fields and you just go, wow, I wish we could have in our community. And it's all about uh, taking the leadership, finding the money and building a, you know, a great product that can sit there for the next 40 years and be proud of and, and let our, let our kids uh, play on the best facilities possible and get the coaching. And who knows where these, uh, these young guys can, and girls can go. Mm-hmm. Right, good segment, and uh, we'll we'll probably come back to the next podcast number four for another subject. But uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, a lot of hot air. Politicians love to talk, so that was the theme. Especially when you get twenty two of them in a room. And now we're going to go to convention at the AUMA, and there will be what a couple thousand. Yeah, you're worse. Oh my Twenty two in a room, and you got to go all the way around, right? Now we got to go over to two thousand people. And they all got to <laughs> got to have their moment of uh, at the mic. It's, it should be funny. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. <laughs>